0: Yeah, And I locked in Rap Geeks Radio With your boy Joe Curly The Hip Hop Podcast follows on Twitter at Rap Geeks,
1: R-A-P-G-E-K-Z. Let's go, turn up
0: what's going on? It's Danielle Arena here, back with the Rap Geeks podcast. Today's special guest is Track Sound. Um, how's it going? How's your day? Pretty
2: good. Can't complain. Dealing with this uh, Houston weather, being frozen last week in 72 today, so I love it. I'm all, all on board.
0: Oh, same here, same here. Um, so your first, so I guess, well, is it all, is it Track Sounds or do you... You just go by track, if people just say, hey, what's up, track?
2: Yeah, most people call me track now, yeah, for the most <laughs> part, so.
0: Where'd you get your name from?
2: Man, I was like, I've been doing music for, for a long time. I was about 13, and one of my friends, we were starting a music label, for the lack of better words, and uh, he was like, man, we should just call it Track Sounds. And then it's literally just stuck, and there's no, there's no cool story behind it, anything like that. It was just one of those things one of my friends thought of, and it kind of just stuck, so. I just kind of, went, kind of went with it. So I'm not really sure about the origins of that. Everybody asks me all the time.
0: How long have you been in the industry?
2: Uh, professionally for 12 years, but I've been making music since I was about 13 years old. So I had a studio in my house when I was in high school recording people making CDs, stuff like that. So a long time.
0: Did your family support that? that they, did they think, hmm, this might turn into something?
2: Um, they definitely supported it because I have a very musical family. My dad plays the guitar, harmonica sings. My aunt plays the guitar and the harmonica and sings as well. But you know, everybody has a little skepticism of the music industry in general, especially hip hop. Um, So they supported me absolutely. But you know, nobody really knows how far you're going to go to continually to take it that far. So they definitely supported me though quite a bit.
0: Right. I feel like there's definitely with a lot of people who are in the industry, they kind of have this almost like a grit, almost like they know you just know in your heart did you have that when you were younger did you just it wasn't something you like woke up oh I'm gonna be a music producer I'm gonna you know work with this artist and work with that artist you know it wasn't just like one day you woke up I feel like it had to have been something you have known like you knew you were destined for that did you did you know that at a specific age
2: I, I mean I particularly think so because I was like the eight or nine year old that would be listening to songs on the radio and I really wasn't I honestly, like I knew lyrics to every song, which always blew people's mind. I'd be like nine or ten years old, knowing lyrics to a lot of songs. But also, I was always extremely fascinated by the music behind the actual song. And people would think I was, you know, this it was just different because I would be focused on who made this beat or who. Like I didn't even understand beats at the time, but I always could tell that there was something that was drawing me into music. And then the other thing too that you know a lot of people um, didn't really understand as I would tell them is that I would always see colors with music, like music different styles of music would portray a color to me in my mind it's called synesthesia um and so i've always kind of had that so i always kind of knew something was a little different from me versus other people when it just came to regards in music so i personally think i do have a lot of god-given talent towards music but it was also a lot of tons of hours of dedication um tons of hours of hard work and things like that kind of got me to that level but i could always tell it was something that just stuck out to me more than other things it was just always something in my brain for sure
0: did you ever meet somebody around that time when, like, you discovered you had this passion for music? Was there anybody around your age doing the same thing?
2: Um, not necessarily. So, in my, you know, we, we kind of talked briefly. In my hometown of Angleton, um, it's a smaller community, and there actually was a, an artist that went by Young Rowe, who was the first signee to there. Um 2003 2004 2005 somewhere around there so he was kind of like a local legend in our you know just in our area so wildly i would say young roe who i've still never met him have any talks with him i don't even know what he's doing to this day um he had a crazy effect on the angleton community we a lot of people did music out there because of young roe kind of you know brought that hope that somebody could do the same thing i i you know i personally think i'm the only one that actually took the torch and ran with it um, and kind of got to this point. So I would say that early opening of seeing some local people actually get you know a little local fame, for lack of better words, and then uh, you know YouTube was just kind of popping up at that time. So I was you know on YouTube University every single day, seeing people, hearing people talk about making beats, random people, and it all all of that kind of inspired me. So I would say it was just like a perfect storm of YouTube getting big, and then local community kind of already starting. Starting to push some more music, just in general. Like we were a small town, so anybody doing anything, everybody kind of knew about it. So
0: right. um What age did things start to take off for you? Where was that transition? Because in everyone's career, there's, you know, the oh I'm doing it for fun or something, and then all of a sudden, you're like okay I'm making money. Things are starting to pick up. There's. There's momentum there. What okay. age did that come
2: um, I sold some of my first beats in high school. I actually used to just put beats on a uh, CD, and then mm-hmm. random people would find out, you know, just through generic, you know, ways of, you know, working with my high school friends and stuff like that. People started just buying CDs from me with my beats on it. Uh, I'll never forget, I sold my first beat, on a, it was 12 beats on a CD for like 150 bucks I think total at a whataburger met the guy at a mm-hmm. whataburger that's the most Texas story ever right, right. there. Um, and yeah that was the first my soul beats and then you know I graduated from high school went to college and went to U of H and then I got I was lucky enough to get a I got brought it's not an internship I got brought in at chameleon Air studio that was the first studio I worked at um, I had some engineering skills and was already a really good producer at the time and it all kind of just worked in hand in hand and that's when I started doing some chameleon Air singles and that was one of my first times that I was like, okay, there's actually a lane for me, and I can actually see how people make this a career and make actually make a you know make good money off of this thing. So um, that was definitely some of like my first eye-opening events was getting in the studio with Comedian Air, working with him, and I kind of was my real you know solidified industry work, but then just selling some beats to random people in high school, you know, in CDs and just saying like man, I can people are actually interested in you know what's going on, so.
0: Sorry. My headphone went out. I don't know. Are we good to go? Okay. Sorry, you guys. Um. So uh, did you ever have any doubt getting before that? Did you think, man, this might not work out for me. I might have to get a regular job.
2: For sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I finished college. So, uh, you know, th- I, I think if you're not, if you don't ever have any doubts, I mean, I'm 12 years professionally in and I still have doubts all the time, you know, so... If you're not having any doubts, I don't think you're trying hard enough, or you're not shooting, you know, for the stars, for lack of better words, or something like that. So I've always kind of been a fan of if you know if your dreams don't scare you, then you're, they're probably not big enough. So um, that's kind of the doubts. I think you know that's with any person that's a musician and stuff like that because these are your craft, it's your art. But the the one thing I like about music is if you try one more time then you think about giving up, you're all, you know you still always have a shot it is never going to stop until you just give up. If you don't give up, you always have a shot.
0: That's right. kind of how I look at it, so. I heard that. Were there any plans with your degree? What did you study?
2: Uh, I did hotel and restaurant management actually. Um I really just got the degree for my parents because they really wanted me <laughs> to. Um yeah. they kind of knew that um I was lucky enough, to, you know, have parents that that they were the first time going to college in their family, things like that, so they really valued that. And, uh, you know, going to U of H, I loved U of H. It was cool. I got to work in the studio, go to class. And I I was bartending while I was in college, Um, all that. To worked in restaurants growing up, like tons of stuff like that. So, you know, through college, I didn't just initially start making a bunch of money with music and things like that. I was balancing a lot of other things. I was working. My aunt owns a cooking class. She teaches cooking classes. I was working with her. All types of stuff just to kind of, you know, keep my feet wet in different avenues. And um, now I haven't obviously touched my degree at all but it helped me a lot like going to college um there's a lot of very good things that came out of that as far as just organization knowing life skills business skills time management time managed tons of things like how to you know relationships with people tons of things so i really did value my time even though i don't necessarily use my degree i still get a lot of use out of my degree if that you know kind of makes sense
0: so was college kind of forced on you in a way
2: um was there a lot
0: of pressure not that?
2: really but Kind of, not really, yeah, man. you know, like, they would have been disappointed if I wouldn't have gone, because, you know, I was blessed enough that they paid for my college, you oh, know, that wow. was one of their things, like, I had a couple scholarships and things like that, but um that was one of their things for it, so I was blessed and lucky enough to have that, and so I would almost been disrespectful, I feel like, to not give it that chance, and, you know, like I said, I'm a, I'm a realist at the same time, too, so... Um, there's a lot of good things. Like I mentioned, there's a lot of good things that came out of college. And, you know, eventually I hope to open up a bar or a live music, music venue or something like that just to kind of, you know, put together all my loves and, you know, my college degree experience and things like that, too. So there's a lot of value in it. But I wouldn't say it was forced on me, but it was it was definitely highly encouraged.
0: Right.
1: What were your uh, degrees for? Oh, no, sorry, not your degrees, your um, your uh,
2: scholarships. um, Grades. Okay. Oh, really? Grades, yeah. And I, I played basketball, too, and that's a whole other story I'm, I'm not even going to get In into. In college this, you did? Yeah, that's a whole other story for a whole other podcast. I played D1 for a little bit before I came oh, back to U of H. Yeah, so. Oh,
0: something we can relate on.
2: Uh, yeah, that's a that's a different story, but I graduated from U of H, so we'll keep it at that. <laughs>
0: that's good. Um, so you have this free 25-day single release plan for artists. How did you come up with that?
2: um so I, i've been a lot of people have been asking me that same question They're like why have you because you know i'm known as a producer known for my beats and things like that which i've been doing that for years putting up um content of me making beats using different sounds to make beats and i was kind of at a point where um i have a lot of different people i've been studying that are running different uh, marketing businesses online and one of the things they preached was you know you need to give out things of value and give out things of value that to the, you know, customers or audience you're wanting to attract. And for the longest, I was like, well, I feel like I'm marketing to producers because I'm showing them how to make beats and things like that. And it was working okay, but it was one of those things like, why am I marketing to producers? I'm a producer. I need to figure out how can I help artists, but still at the same time market to artists. Cause that's, you know, who I need to work with. So it kind of just different people. I've been studying seeing different things I decided to put together that release plan. But just in general, I've been trying to help artists even more for free for the most part because I see too many artists get discouraged so quickly. It's kind of what we're talking about. They get discouraged so quickly. There's terrible information out there from people that have never done anything with music. I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, Hit Boy or Big Sean. I mean or you know, Metro Boomer or somebody like that, but I've I've seen a lot of very successful artists from the beginning. To where they are now, people that have signed major label deals, all types of things. I've been there from the beginning, and I've seen what has worked well for these artists. So I can give some of this game back to artists to, you know, help the failure rate in the industry and help the, you know, mindset of some of these artists is keep trying and keep pushing. This is not a two or three month thing. This is something that, like I said, I've been dedicating 17 years of my life to this. You know, and I know artists, all the art, Maxo Cream, who I, you know, I'm very close with and had a strong relationship for over 10 years. I've been seeing him since the day he walked in my studio the first time till now he's a you know major touring artist for Rock Nation, all the types of things like that. But there was a long process to it. It was not like he woke up one day and a few months later he was up. Like I met him when he was eighteen and then we're you know, I'm almost thirty now. And like we're just now in the past couple of years getting to our major tours, national tours, international tours. So I really just wanted to help the failure rate with artists and at the same time now I'm having I've had more chances for my beats to land places because i'm meeting more artists networking with more artists talking with more and showing my value and they're like man if he knows this let me check out his beats and then i have good beats it all kind of just works out in one so um this has been it's been a it's been a overall plan to help myself in my marketing and also help the industry in general and the artists particular
0: you seem to be very compassionate you seem to want success for other people do you think that that is also something that makes you different from everybody else that you've come across?
2: Yes. <laughs> for like, you know, just because there's another thing I do too. a lot of I expose, you know, in my, my opinion and words, I expose a lot of music scams that are out there. Like we're talking about other people that have no industry experience at all, selling a dream to people, selling, trying to sell fake verses, scamming people for lack of better words, just all types of stuff I see all the time. Um... And the, so I,
1: them, uh, them 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 the mixtapes that uh people can put the $500 so on. So
2: you want to know what's hilarious Is yeah. I uh, I just dropped a video. It probably went live like 30 minutes ago uh, pretty much calling that whole thing out. Yeah. Um so that is uh yeah, that is the that is the biggest scam going on right now by the way. Um so that is a whole nother topic, but at the same time that's exactly right though. Um I'm tired of seeing stuff like that that little that offer little to no value for people and they sell them some big deceiving dream and then people in, invest in that thinking that's the way they're supposed to invest their money when there's so many better ways you can invest that $500 and I'm trying to you know keep that keep that train going for people to realize there's much smarter ways that you can do this and connect with your fans and stuff like that instead of being you know going using oh, a lot of these people use these deceiving you know entrepreneur tactics there's a guy online that I like and he calls them entrepreneurs basically and, uh, yeah, and I and he put out schemes on how people do this. And it's funny because I've studied a lot of marketing, too. And I get that it is marketing, but it goes it goes to a different level when you're taking money from people that don't have a whole lot of money to begin with, selling them false hopes, you know, when you don't really have any chance at all for them to even achieve that hope that you're giving them, and a ton of things like that, too. So, um, yeah, no, I, I do, in conclusion, I do think I am different than a lot. There's a couple of really good people out there that – very have very good marketing practices and things like that, but then there's a bunch of people that are, as with any field or any you know, get rich quick scheme for lack of better words, um, they're you know, pretty much gonna just go over a bunch of artists and, and mess them over for lack of better words. So,
0: when did you start to realize that the industry was like that? That there's the fake and the real,
2: uh. I mean, pretty early on, I would say, but it's definitely been in the past five or six years. Like, even in general, just the um, sheer amount of like, bullshit that people have been putting online has increased 20, 20 times because now people are learning Facebook ads. People are learning, like, what are these marketing tricks to, you know, deceive some of these 19 year olds that, you know, got a little money in their bank account finally. And then you're going to tell them, they're gonna be on, you know, having lunch with Jay Z next week if they just buy your your course or something like that.
1: Yeah, the quality control ones, the, the most popular one I see. Yeah. Like people, oh yeah, I gotta. I'm, I'm, I might get this meeting with QC. Hundred
2: percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent.
1: Do you hear a lot of these people like that come into the studio, kind of going through those things too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yep.
2: And that that was part of why I started to even pay more attention to it, because um, even like just like as much as I've been YouTubing lately and things like that, all that really kind of increased over. We talk about like the pandemic and stuff too, but just seeing people come to the studio—I had you know one of my close clients come. I've had multiple clients, but even one of them came and he was like, "Man, the game's hit me up. The game hit me up." And he said he loves my songs and he loves this. And I was like, and I kind of had to break it down to him. And I could tell, like as I'm telling him, he kind of didn't believe me at first. That and I wasn't trying to like I don't I hate crushing people's goals. So I kept at the same time going, you know, like it could it could be real, but. He's also messaged about a thousand other clients that are online now that you can see and saying that same stuff, and then he's going to try to sell you, you know, a mixtape slot. So you know, proceed with caution. So I, I hate I hate crushing people's dreams, but at the same time, I try to, you know, open their eyes to it. And then he kind of came around a little further, and then started to see like, okay, yeah, uh, this isn't necessarily exactly what, what is what is what has been shown, but the the rate that it has went up this year and the past couple of years of people. Falling victim to something like that, or almost falling victim to it, kind of was alarming to me. So I, I kind of want to make sure that people are, you know, have that education going.
0: Uh, uh this is the first time I'm hearing anything about this. <laughs> I
2: mean, obviously on my yeah, the, side it's yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially
1: the the game one right now. Or, yeah, that one's the popular one too. Is is the game? You know, yeah. That Los Angeles Confidential. Uh, the, yep. Which uh, we call it, the handle. He's, yeah, he's
2: about he's about thirty percent of my video I put out, <laughs> which is and the funny thing is, it's probably I am ninety nine percent sure it's not even the game, obviously that is doing this. And people, you know, he has social media managers one yeah. hundred uh, percent. There is a one particular company that's doing it, so yeah, it, it's it's pretty wild how they're able to do that. But you know, people fall victim to you know blue checks and you know. Saying, "Oh, you'll be on a mixtape with me," and it's obviously a mixtape that forty other people are paying to be on. Mm-hmm. That probably has like three hundred views on Datpiff or something like that. So. I,
1: I knew uh, one of the uh, social media managers for the uh, for uh, Gucci and, and Walkers page, and that was that was part of their job was sending out them the mass. You know, messages, hey, you know, I, I listened to your latest thing on SoundCloud, blah, blah,
2: blah, blah, and here's the package information. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah that's terrible. Son. So, how
0: are they hitting them up? Is it like through email, Instagram?
2: DM. Yeah, DM. So, pretty much the 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 thing that's going on right now is you'll have a popular artist, verified artist on Instagram or something like that put up a post saying, hey, I'm looking for heat. I'm look tagging artists in my comments. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for, you know, who's the best producer and unsigned rapper out there? Uh, you know, comment below. And then you have all these people saying, oh, wow, I could put my friend on, or I could put me on. I'm going to tag I'm going to tag them, I'm going to tag them. And they're tagging everybody in the comments, and the comments blow up. And then the more comments you get, obviously Instagram pushes the the photo out to more people. Mm-hmm. And so by then, they've got two, 3,000 people being tagged that are, un, you know, rappers or unsigned artists. And so then they just start individually DMing them, people in the comments. And then they're saying, hey, um man, we heard you got some heat. You know, like we're we're offering five hundred dollar. I partnered with, you know, DeBlock 365, which is the promotion company that's doing this. Um, and we're offering five hundred dollar mixtape slots to be on my next mixtape. And,
0: and this is legal?
2: So technically it is because it's technically it's not a scam for the exact definition of a scam. Mm-hmm because you do. So they put out this mixtape and they put it on they were claiming they put it on SoundCloud and DatPiff, which are two terrible sites anyway. SoundCloud better than DatPiff. And these this the artist would never would never promote the the mixtape, their cover, their picture would just be on the cover and then there would be 40 other people that paid for a slot just like you to be on this mixtape. So then technically you're on a mixtape presented by that artist. But the, the two things to point out is that the artist is very 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 loosely affiliated, never promotes it, anything like that. And then the second thing is it's on SoundCloud and Datpiff. SoundCloud now all of those after the the company got caught out for scamming, they're trying to figure out how to, um, you know, redo it. They wiped their whole SoundCloud, so all those mixtapes are gone. All they have it now is on Datpiff, and I, just you know, I know all this because of that video I just did. Um, there's one with DMX. DMX put it up. There was 40 artists. 40 songs on there. At least I saw 70 artists. You know, most of the songs had two or three artists. So you think, 100%. So you think they paid $500. So even if we say 40 songs, $500, was that $20,000, right? Mm-hmm. So they made $20,000 off this mixtape. The dat Piff mixtape, I think when the DMX one just dropped at the top of the month, it had 700 plays total. So divide 700 by 40. What is that? You know, 25, 30 plays or something like that. So, if you think it's a wise investment for $500 to get 30 plays on a Dat Piff mixtape.
1: And they might be, the people playing it might not even get to your song. 100%. There's, right. there's 40 songs on 100.
2: that thing. Just, just think, just, just re- rethink that. $500 for 25 plays on a Dat Piff mixtape. Mm-hmm. If anybody is listening to Dat Piff in 2021... I don't trust them already. So there's a, <laughs> there's a problem going around. So that's why it's like I said, in the end, it's not a scam, you know, for the direct quotation of what a scam is, but does it hold any intrinsic value? Very, 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 very little. There's so much better things you can do with $500. Mm-hmm. It's kind of what I get into. And so I try to, you know, educate people on that. And there's tons of scams like that same type of thing. And I hate calling it a scam because like I said, it's not technically a scam, But at the same time, it is a complete waste of your money.
0: Do you know any of these scammers personally?
2: Um, No. Uh, No. Um, Well, the funny, (laughs) the rap, so the rap list, there's about 50 or 60 rappers on there. And I know a couple of the rappers, but it goes back to.
0: They fell um, for it.
2: They, well, it's just one of those things like you got this company coming to you. Hey, you want to make a quick buck? Let us take over your Instagram for a little bit. Boom, they, you know, artist makes 10 bands from just putting up one post. Come on, that's like an artist's dream. But most of them are no not to fall for, it. and it has such a bad reputation now that it's kind of dying out. Some, but not now. They're switching to like models, um, yeah, other stuff like that, like uh, all type Like I saw Amber Rose put one up. Different people like that. So they're kind of like switching their things. They know the rapper's part is kind of dying out.
1: Especially with no shows going on right now. You can't sell those people the 10 minutes for $300, you know, and yeah, shit like yeah, that. You yeah, know. Right.
2: that one's still going around too. There's a whole, whole other one that I actually got an interview with somebody later uh, about that particular thing too. So um, there's quite a few scams out there, So as, as you can see. And it, it, it's tough to um, nail them down. But for the most part, anybody promising you something specifically and they don't have any like a good reputation at all, and they're promising you, like, oh, a complex pl- complex placement. Or I'll get you on this show for 15-minute slot. Or I'll give you a 1,000 plays on Spotify. Anything that they can promise like that, it's pretty much a scam. Because there's no guarantees in music.
0: Is there anyone in Houston we need to keep an eye out for? <laughs>
2: nah, not in particular. I'm not going to call anyone out. Uh, you might not- get sued.
0: No, I'm, <laughs> Hopefully I'm not. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's why I'm so uh, uh, particular with, with using the word scam. Right. But... Uh, but yeah, no, nah, there's no one in Houston. The one person that did kind of have a little affiliation with it, he's pretty much stopped. So, and I know him well, so I'm not gonna uh, do that. But if it wasn't anybody I'm closely affiliated with that you would be like, oh yeah, that's definitely a track sounds artist. Um, nobody like that. But it's somebody I know. So, but he's stopped for the most part. So,
0: we brought up the pandemic um, with Carlos over here. How do you feel about artists still trying to perform,
2: like like live shows and stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even that, just
0: doing the whole live scene, how do you feel about that? Do right, you feel like right that's now, helping them at all?
2: Um, for doing it during a pandemic is what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's debatable. Um, you know, obviously, everybody different strokes for different folks. I'm, you're not going to catch me doing that, and you're not going to catch me um, and my artist. Uh, when I, I say my artist, who well, I DJ for Maxo, um, we've done one show this whole time, and it was a virtual show for a virtual reality company, and it was just us in a big room. Um, For that So And he's had tons of offers Tons of things But they still have not Accepted anything Just because they're very smart And they're smarter than that So You know A lot of artists They gotta find some way to eat And I'm not mad at that one bit So I'm never gonna uh, Judge how other people You know Live their life And things like that Like I said Would I personally be out there Absolutely not Do any of the artists That I work with Are they out there Pretty much No but there are a couple of things out there, and like I said, that's all up to the person there and them. But it's been tough because a lot of artists eat off of touring. like That's where a lot of their money comes from, especially if they have a bad label deal or anything like that. So it's been a tough year, and so that's probably why a lot of scams have been popping up even more, too. It kind of all goes hand in hand, I feel like.
0: Let's say this goes on for, I mean, hopefully not, another two, three years. All
2: right.
0: What does the industry look like?
2: Um, I think virtual reality actually is going to be huge. Um, me.
0: do you think there's any money in that
2: um not as much money as a live tour for sure but uh you kind of gotta you know move and groove how you can so um i think virtual reality and virtual shows are going to be pretty big and then i'm not i'm pretty uh pretty educated on the whole you know crypto blockchain space and stuff like that too but i think the the NFTs, which is the new way to kind of sell your digital media and things like that through the blockchain. I think that's pretty, um, going to be pretty big for artists moving forward, especially the ones that can latch on like quicker. I can't remember, um, who I was reading, but no, I can't remember what artist it was, but they sold one of their, what they call is a non fungal token or something like that. And it's pretty much their, a digital asset, like a gift not long ago sold for like 1.5 million to where this person owns the rights to this gift and it's all on the blockchain too. And there's different songs that are being done like that, all types of stuff. A lot of labels have a lot of things in the works right now dealing with this stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over time. And like I said, I'm pretty educated in it but all like as far as enough to get a full breakdown and stuff on it. I don't know enough about that, but it's something I want to research even further because I think a lot of artists can benefit from it. So it's something I want to be able to give out the information too. So I think blockchain and virtual reality and all this type of stuff, people are going to always find ways to make more money. Right. Do you think that
0: the industry will start to kind of sink ship as the pandemic continues? And as these things start to pile on around us, I mean, there's so many restrictions on mm-hmm. things that we can and can't do anymore and what if that never lifts what, what do you think the music industry will tank do you think it may stay afloat how how do you picture i don't think that? music
2: industry it will ever tank will they like you know will they be able to get that same amount of money they were getting when touring and it was really eaten no but at the same time people thought the industry was going to tank with streaming and now it's probably bigger than ever you know like for a, you know, it, like it all depends on who you're dealing with, and who we're talking about. But there's a lot of artists that are making way more money from sponsorships and all types of things like that. Then you know, you kind of just gotta like figure out how you can monetize your brand. As opposed, that's one thing that really has been happening over the past few years and decade is artists are figuring out better ways to monetize their brand and. And expand it bigger than hey, here's our music.
1: That's know? why some of your favorite artists aren't dropping music like you want them to because they're making more money doing makeup and shoes. Hundred yeah.
2: percent. Yeah, Rihanna's a billionaire now. Yeah, right? oh, you know what yeah I'm she wasn't I'm like, when she was yeah. making music. Hundred percent. You're never gonna make that much money in music uh, just off of, you know just off of your songs and things like that. So that's what you know, you see Travis Scott, um I can't tell you how many sponsorships he's done this year or products. He just dropped a, a hard seltzer, I think, yesterday or something. I like don't that. know.
0: <laughs> I don't follow him. <laughs> yeah, has, I don't even know he, half the people he, on the internet. He so. has
2: he had the
1: McDonald's thing, Nike he had, Nike. A, the Fort, oh, he had yes, a Fortnite that concert. That Fortnite, Fortnite concert yep. was amazing. Fortnite,
2: he did Nike, yeah. uh Nike collab. He had one more too, and I cannot think of what it was. Um too, and then now he just um is doing his hard seltzer and they got I think they did it Tequila. And stuff like that. And there's a lot of other artists doing the same thing. Like even, you know, we talk about Maxo. Maxo has started his own clothing line persona brand. It's been doing really well. He's done collabs with like famous uh, clothing designers. He's done, there's all types of stuff. So artists are figuring out ways to use their likeness and image and, you know, popularity to find more money. That's really where the key is with music now, figuring out how you can build a true core fan base around you that really supports anything you do. And the music is, you know, just kind of like the icing on it. And then obviously the better the music, the more they'll stay around and things like that too. So
0: there are a lot of people who look at that as a cash grab. Maybe you can answer this question because you've, you know, you make feeds, you're a producer, you, you, you have this whole thing going for you and you're around these artists a lot. What happened to artists just being artists? All of a sudden, they're models. They're, you know, they're actors. And I'm yeah. like, wait, 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 hold on. That's not your job. <laughs> like, sit down and you know, pick up the mic. Yeah. Um. What happened to that?
2: I think. Uh, well, record sales were definitely a big deal with it. Um. Now that you know, it's stream streaming <laughs> does does not pay as much as record sales used to do but artists are more popular than ever now with social media things like that by
1: record sales you mean like physical yes yeah physical Physical, like going to the store buying those
2: there will be very very few diamond albums anymore things like that and before if you look at it nelly has a diamond album um Hmm. eminem's got diamond obviously 50 cent like all these people that from you think back maybe 10 15 years before getting a diamond album was very very tough but it wasn't impossible. Nowadays, if we see another diamond album, I'll be absolutely floored. I just don't would, think it's ever going to happen now.
1: Would you say that the way that the game is constructed right now is made to benefit the the labels more than it is the artists cuz you don't really see the, the 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 merch or the like not the merch but like the, the actual physical releases anymore. Yeah. You'll get the digital album before you get anything,
2: you know. 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that um I think it benefits the labels when artists sign bad deals. Mm-hmm. But if an artist gets enough leverage. I think Russ is a really good example. I think Maxo is a great example as well. When an artist gets enough leverage to that they can call the shots per se on their deal to not give up their masters, things like that, that's when it becomes more of a partnership. And that's what you want as an artist. You don't want to be where the label's the one getting the upper hand. And you need artists, if you want to be famous, you need a label. If you want to make money and be you know not as famous, then you can do it the independent around 100%. You'll make more money. If you want to be famous and blow up and get sponsorships, all that type of stuff, you'll need a label. But at the same time, you don't want to sign to a label too early before you have any leverage. So you want to make sure you have leverage with them. And if you have some leverage with the label, then it becomes a, a better partnership. And from there, that's because of the lack of record sales, they're, they're trying to find ways to branch out and get more money for the artists. Because in the end, they're all going to make money from it. So it kind of it just really goes back to record sales are down, but people's popularity is bigger than ever because of social media. So there'll be an XYZ artist from North Dakota or something, and he'll have one million on TikTok or something like that, and he has no popular songs, maybe one or two. And so people will think, well, how else can we use this to our advantage? Well, now they need to start doing sponsored posts for their TikTok and get promotions that way and use their image and their following to really push more products and push their music and things like that too. So it's kind of become, between social media and the lack of record sales, that's why you see more promotions and people doing other things like that because everybody's more popular than ever.
0: That's why I'm saying, yeah, it, the industry is tanking. That's what I mean by, you know, you nobody's going out to buy a physical album.
2: 100%. Um,
0: at that point, are they chasing fame or are they chasing the music?
2: Uh, the artists? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's totally up to them, really. That's, that, that's, that's an individual artist question, I would say, because the ones that are chasing fame probably got into a bad deal the ones that are more about the music and know more about what's going on, they probably got a better deal or they stayed independent and, you know, and learn from other people like that too. So I wouldn't say the music industry is tanking. Music sales are tanking. Mm -hmm. So now it just goes back to, you got to figure out how can we use the music that you make to put other things, you know, make monetize them and put that on the platform. So the music industry the sales are definitely declining and things like that but as a whole the popularity of you know these artists and stuff like that is just like so meteoric now in the past few years cuz i can name so many people that are just huge now compared to before it was a lot harder to be like okay there's 10 artists right now that are really big right now you probably name 100 to 150 artists that are you you'd mention like oh yeah i know that person Oh, yeah, i know that person too So I think labels are trying to figure out how can they combat the record sales dying and how can also maximize their streams, too, because a lot of them are starting to figure out ways to really push the streaming market and stuff, too, because there's money in streaming. It ain't. Mm -hmm. it's not people are not broke off their streams. I'll tell you that, Mm -hmm. especially if you get a lot of streams. Um, So. Now labels are trying to figure out how they can do that. Everybody, they're, honestly, they're kind of sh- scrambling because the whole industry as a whole changes so much. Mm-hmm. You know, like in the past five years it's changed. The past couple years has changed with TikTok and things like that too. Yeah. So, uh, and
0: then now artists can't perform. So now you know exactly. they, everybody loses money. They're at just that point. scrambling
2: pretty much, like which everybody is doing at the same time. So they obviously have more resources and experience than a lot, but it's, but. You know they're still trying to figure out what may work best, and so a lot of it is experiment as an artist and, and watching other people to see what may be working for them and what may not be working for them, and kind of just you know uh, studying other people that you want to be the same type of success as.
0: Do you plan on uh, bringing any artists under your wing? one
2: day? Nah, I've, I've done that before. and, and How do you uh,
0: feel about that? Uh,
2: it's not for me. It's just too much work. Like people ask me all the time, do you manage? Do you do this? Do you want to do a label? And I'm like, no, nah, I like making beats. That's what I like doing. That's my passion. Um, That's all I pretty much want to do. What
1: about like an A&R gig or something like that?
2: Uh Probably not because mm-hmm. A&R, I feel like A&Rs are, I mean, it would depend. They're dying too? They're dying too, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I was going to say they're dying and most of them are you know, don't have any experience in picking music. So with, as a producer, it's funny because as a producer, I see a lot of the actual side from the creative. So it's like, I send tracks to A&Rs all the time. And then a lot of times I don't get a response or they'll maybe kind of like one, then I'll send that same pack to the artist that they're even dealing with. And the artist is like, oh, I love this beat. Oh, I love this beat. And so as a creative, I hate going through a middleman to get to the artist because I'm like, I'm the creative that made the track. And I'm trying to get to the artist that's a creative. Why are you in the middle trying to tell me what is creative and not? Like, right. what have you, have you ever like made right. a beat? Right. Like, exactly. what are your credits at? Exactly. So I've found that, like, I love working with direct artists. Obviously there's some great a out there and some that have, you know, good connections and good relationships with me. But my biggest placements and just in general stuff is just getting to the artist somehow directly. And then going from there. And then, like I said, it's a much easier process every time to do something like that. So I really like to stick to the creative side right now. Personally, maybe down the line, I'll do some different stuff and figure it out. But at the moment, I really just focus on producing records, making records, and that's why I give out the artist tips because I'm trying to find artists that will make hits to my songs, and then we all blow up. I don't necessarily want to take them under my wing. I'll give them my tips, give them my best advice. I don't have enough time to take artists under my wing, really. You
0: just want to be like the mastermind behind or beside.
2: I want to open their eyes to it. What I, And the reason why a lot of them are shorter or quicker or maybe like not the most in-depth on one topic is because I want you to realize what your options are and then go do the research yourself so you can learn it and stop getting um, screwed over by different people too. So if I'm talking about Facebook ads and I give you some gems on that, I want, you, at the same time, I always say like, go do your own research. Everything applies to you and you need to learn this on your own. I'm not watching me for five or 10 minutes isn't going to solve all your problems, but now you may be enlightened to know, like, oh, I can I can put my video before a uh, another YouTube video, and it'd be the direct audience that I want. Well, dang, I need to figure out this more. That's what I'm kind of uh, doing. I don't have the time to hold somebody's hand, per se, and I also see so many people charging astronomical amounts for that and I just and that's something I would have to do if I wanted to do that and I don't want to do that to artists you know like where I oh yeah you want to do a consultation where I'm you know taking you under my wing for six months cool that's going to be expensive because it's going to take a lot of my time and I don't want to do that to an artist because I feel like there's there's so much free information out there from me and other people. And if you just look at all this and then do your own research and do the sweat equity and the time to actually learn some of the stuff that we're talking about. S- sweat equity. <laughs> then you'll you'll be off way better. And then that, you know, twenty thousand dollars you're gonna pay somebody to mentor you, take that twenty thousand and spend it on videos and you know, or whatever your budget is, five hundred dollars. Heavily
0: invested into your craft. A
2: hundred percent. Use the sweat equity and learn some stuff and figure out what is like. Learn it from that way. That way, you'll have a much better knowledge base going forward. It will take you a little longer, but if you're trying to look for a get-rich-quick scheme or an overnight success, then you're in the wrong business anyway, so you might as well, you know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> even open know. Open the door and leave. Yeah, and you, might as well, you might as well give up or something like that because right. at that point, this is music industry is not a get-rich-quick scheme and it's not a overnight thing. Mm-hmm. So I like people want to educate themselves, use their resources wisely. This is kind of why I, I hope to... Give out as much free information. You know, there's a few things that throughout time I may do little courses and things like that. But even so, there's so many videos out there that people can research. A lot of people are just lazy, honestly. Right. Some people
1: don't know what to look up either.
2: That too, and that's that's what I say. If I open their eyes up to it, you know, like you know, Facebook ads. You mean I can put up an ad on Instagram that's directed to my Spotify and it it, it's only targeted at people that listen to the same type of music that I want people to listen to. Like, it blew my mind that people didn't know. I thought I thought a lot of these were basic things. But now that I'm seeing it, it's not necessarily basic to everybody else. It's just basic to me because I've been doing this stuff for so long, and I've yes. seen so many people do it. So that's kind of what I said. I like just enlightening people enough to do their own research, basically.
0: Can you give us a list of some of the artists you've worked for or worked with? Oh or? man,
2: well, I don't know how you. I don't know how I guess. I don't, <laughs> I
0: don't know how you. Um,
2: how man, you uh, ask that question. Yeah, I mean, I I can. There's so many. Wiz Khalifa, ASAP Rocky. Young Dolph, Chameleon everybody in Houston. Literally everybody in Houston you can name. I definitely have worked with, without a doubt, have a relationship with. Um, outside of Houston, um, Wiz Khalifa, Janae Aiko, Big Sean, Mac Miller, R.I.P., Kendrick Lamar, uh, Young Dolph, Kevin Gates, TNT, Sprite, NBA, uh, man, I'm missing a bunch. I can't even I'll be forgetting my oh, own ones. A whole hodgepodge. Yeah, there's tons. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean I've had I've had singles really. Cameron. I had a, a Cameron single in 2012. I produced. I didn't even know it for two years. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's a whole nother thing. Um, what else we got? Uh,
0: Have you done anything for, like I guess you would say like soundtracks for like films?
2: Yeah. Well, Commercial. I've done a lot. of, As I was saying, TNT. I've scored mm-hmm. tons for TNT. Claws that showed claws. Oh, okay. Um, I've done a bunch of music on that. Yo,
1: done- that wow. show has a great that show has a great soundtrack too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Appreciate okay, it. Sure. Now that's, know that's a good show now too. You know it is a good that. show. Yeah, that's yeah. I was, I was watching
2: it with somebody. I was I didn't
1: think I was gonna like it. And, yeah. I was like, I'll, 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 and then I'm just you know yeah. I'm in it now. Yeah. 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 I don't
0: watch TV, so don't expect me. to I don't know. watch
2: much either. <laughs> I wa- I started watching that just because they started using my music, and I was wow. like, this is actually a cool show. But uh, yeah. So I did TNT. I've done HGTV. I can't even remember what the show was called. I've done a bunch on Vice, um, Payday Unsung, I don't know, Unsung's VH1, Payday Black Market, that's all Vice, I've done multiple episodes for that. Um I do a lot for nba.com and Sprite, I do it a bunch of their uh, dunk contest music. <coughs> I have done whiskey companies, done wow. all Yeah, I've done I haven't done as much. I had a I was working with a lady that helped me a lot with that for a few years. Mm-hmm. She started doing something else. I don't really know the whole story behind it. Um so that one is kind of Fade because you that industry you need somebody that knows people or you got to right. know the people. That's a way more who you know type industry because it's very very competitive. Um, what
0: within like
2: film and TV the, and oh, stuff yeah. like that? It's, it's, it's just way more competitive than getting your beat to an artist basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've done quite a bit with that, but it's something I want to do more. But now in the past couple years, I've been really focusing on R and B music, and so I've been really trying to branch out my R and B. I've had my biggest record uh, to date, which is a song by Tink. Uh, it's called Fuck Around. Um, I think it's like one hundred million.
0: Sorry, I've never heard of it. You are
2: good, trust to... so me. That sorry. What, you know what's what's cool though is um that's what we we're talking about earlier. There is so many stars now because there is there is just so many ways that people can get to music and there is so many people have access to people. So um it's like it goes back. There is a ton of records that people will have mm-hmm. that are really big for them and may, no one else may never hear it. But it just go. That's why I, I work. I find artists that I know have a good fan base that I'll be able to connect with my my beats and their sound and then. There's a, there's a chick, uh, she goes by Wolf Tyler, who she was big off of Vine. She got really famous. And then she's really big on Instagram now, a few million, stuff like that. Most people have never heard of her. She started doing music a couple of years ago. One of her songs went viral. I started doing more music with her. And now we have two or three songs that have millions of plays online. Wow. Um, one of them has Roy Woods, who was Drake's artist, on it. Um, that's a really big one. Different stuff like that. So I've been able to find pockets of people that are – talented and then they have a fan base already and people may not know them but there's just so many different ways to find fan bases now and so i've found different pockets like that um within the r&b realm because it's kind of just what i personally wanted to focus on and uh, yeah it's been it's been going well so i haven't been focusing as much on the film um recently but it's something i want to get back to there's just only so many so much time in a day so
0: right yeah you're a very busy person (laughs) um i don't want to get you into any trouble but do you have a favorite artist that you've worked with? Is there anyone in particular uh, that you're like, so like we could hang a <laughs> lot.
2: <laughs> well, so, um, my favorite artist I ever worked with that I don't really have a relationship with. It was just like a one or two time thing. He was in Houston, um, was either Kendrick or Mac Miller. They were both super awesome to work with. Um, very, very cool people. Kendrick was amazing. Mac Miller was amazing. Big Sean was amazing as well too. Um, close uh let me think so devin the dude is probably my favorite person all time in music just wow. because he is the like i met him when i was 18 he was one of the first pre- first people i met and it was like man it was it was when you walked in the studio i was so nervous too walking it was one of the first times i was in the houston studio and devin was like a legend from where i come from and all around um and walking in it was it was like by far you, you felt like, you know, this was your cousin you've known for 15 years. You're like, hey, man, what's up? Da, da, da. It was just like one of the coolest experiences. And I did forget Wiz was also really, – Wiz is also really, really cool. Um, meeting Wiz, he introduced himself to me. And I'm like, wow I'm like, I know you. what the- <laughs> You want to
0: talk about humbleism? Yeah.
2: So, I, I, like, Wiz was the really definition. cool. Wow. Yeah, Wiz was really cool. And then and the people that I work with really close, Maxo and, and Starleto, are, like, two of my really good friends, and I've worked with them closer than anybody else. So I obviously really like working with them. But yeah, Wiz and Devin are like two of my favorite that I actually kind of know. Devin's one of my like close friends. But Wiz, I've, I've worked with him on a few different projects. And the first time I met him in Houston, he was, you know, introduced himself. And that still has stuck out to my head, stuck in my head for years. It's been like seven years now, so.
0: Mac Miller. Oh, man. Okay, so I know that... That name obviously speaks to a Mm -hmm. lot of people, especially me. I was like in high school, Mm -hmm. middle school, jamming to his music. It was like Donald Trump that song, you know. It was like he was just like this kid. Um, around what, I guess, what age or what time in your career did you come across working with him, and how Uh, did that happen? Um,
2: I was about twenty-one, I think, so like eight or nine years ago. Um. So I have when I moved into Community Air Studio, we started to do a whole bunch of revamping and made a really pop, it really popular, probably the most popular studio in Houston for a while. And we had a connection with a company called Scoremore, who puts on a lot of shows in Texas. They're really big now, sold to Live Nation not long ago. But at the time, we had a... That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So um, we've known them forever, Sasha and Claire. Uh, they had a connection with us. They used to bring all the artists from their shows. Our, our studio was right by Warehouse Live. And so they would bring all the artists to our shows, or all the the artists that they had. They would bring them to our studio after they wanted to come to the mm-hmm. studio or just hang out. We had a cool little kick it spot, basically.
1: Is that seven one three, or is that another place uh,
2: DMG studio? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Kind of close to seven one three, but not a, a okay. little closer than that. Um, is our actually,
0: house life still around?
2: I would assume so. Yeah, yeah, they are. Pandemic <laughs> obviously is slowing it down, yeah. but they're definitely still still around. Yeah. So. Um, i think i got some relief packages uh but yeah so they used to come from that and that's how we got to work with big Sean. how we got to work with Kendrick. how we got to work with mac miller um we also i was bun b's personal engineer for about five years too so i did a lot for bun um and bun that's how i actually met mac so bun and mac did a song came to the studio we recorded the song whole bunch there's a ton of footage online too like he was one of the coolest people ever um that was connected through Scoremore, but Bun was obviously the reason that that happened. Um, ASAP Rocky, all of them, ASAP Ferg, pretty much everybody liked that. All, a lot of it came through Scoremore or like I, I was Bun's personal engineer and I was Killacallion's personal engineer and then Commanders. So between all, those three, any artist coming to Houston that was a famous artist, pretty much we were the only spot they were going to come to because they called Bun, who everybody was like, hey, where should we go? Oh, well, you know, let's go over to DMG. Cool, boom. So you know, I definitely appreciate Bun for always holding it down like that. Um, you know, we had a great working relationship. And I still I saw him not long ago, and it was a uh, it was wild to see him after you know a couple of years because now I got a beard and I'm much older and stuff too. He's like, man, you look like you're grown now, and I was like, yeah, we're <laughs> you're getting a there, man. Kid. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I met him when I was like 19. So
0: wow. Um,
2: but yeah, that's how we end up working with a lot of artists. So shout out to Scoremore, um, they're really cool. We had a real good relationship with them.
0: Do you recall any conversations with Mac?
2: Very vaguely. We didn't have a um no close, close relationship. Yeah, nothing like that. Um we, we he only came through the two times, but I just remember his energy and how cool he was and everything about it. Um it's just something you would never forget, like you know, to the point that I like I said never will forget that. He was just so cool, so humble, such a real dude. And uh, yeah, he made everybody in the room kinda just laugh and smile. So he's a good dude.
0: You mentioned being on tour. Um, what is <laughs> that like and let us know who it is. Who who are you? Hanging with these days. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, tour is definitely one of my favorite things ever. I can't wait to go back. Uh, I, me and Maxo have been on five or six tours now. Um, we've been the first one we ever got on. We were the opening act for Danny Brown on his uh, U.S. tour four years ago. He was he's Eminem's artist. Um, that was pretty big, and that was me and Maxo one deep on a tour bus with them doing forty five cities. That was kind of a humbling. And learning experiences i was i was a tour manager for maxo at, at the same wow. time so i tour managed and dj'd um
0: so you can tour manage but you can't manage <laughs> <laughs> tour,
2: i can tour manage one artist that's the okay. thing i got one artist that i tour manage. that's maxo um and that kind of goes back to why i can't manage other people because i already have right. so many things on my plate um but yeah, so i tour managed for maxo and you know then he's now in the past five or six years he's gone to a whole nother height now we got you know now he's major label deals all that type of stuff too so and we did our first international tour
1: i was about to ago. ask you that how was that uh, europe tour like what 2019 <sighs> uh yeah right uh, then yeah. right before
2: the end of the pandemic mm-hmm. right before the beginning of the pandemic december 2019 so um yeah europe that was absolutely amazing was it
1: the pumpkin tour or was it like- uh yeah, 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 yeah end
2: of it yep and then um yeah it was amazing it was, we we're supposed to go to australia for a month right after the pandemic started we had a we had 10 shows scheduled in australia we were supposed to be there for a month mm-hmm. and uh, they all got cancelled obviously so I'm looking was forward it to it. Was
0: the end of the year, end of last year, or?
2: No, uh, it was March twenty. No, April twenty twenty is when oh. it was scheduled. Oh wow! When yeah, they were like, yeah. oh,
0: in two weeks, this will be gone. Yes, yeah, so
2: that's exactly how it was. So the the festival in in Australia, that's kind of putting everything on. They are like, oh, we're gonna wait a little bit to you know see if we can ma- make it happen, and then obviously like a week later, like yeah, it's definitely not happening. So we're gonna cancel everything. But they've rescheduled a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff we were are supposed to do Rolling Loud Portugal too, and that got rescheduled to july this year i'll be shocked if it actually goes through but at the moment it is scheduled for july 2021 so we'll see we got yeah, the touring was amazing um literally it was one of those situations too uh i met maxo because he had a mutual friend that he needed. he'd never been in the studio uh he was one of my first clients um I had a mutual friend that i did beats for she linked us up we just had a great we just cl- instantly clicked and he liked how i worked like liked how he worked and we have kind of just built from there. But that's why I preach to people all the time. Like I would have never been able to do any of these tours, anything like that, if I hadn't simply been able to just press record. I didn't make beats for Maxo at the time. I just knew how to record. So I had a skill that I knew would be able to be valuable to people, built a relationship with him, and then five years later, he needed a DJ. And I just happened – I kind of DJed, but I learned more of it. Um, because of that, and then you know, obviously the relationship has grown from there. But I try to preach to artists and producers all the time, like, don't be afraid to have a, a skill set within music to give you some more opportunities to meet people, things like that. Because I would have never been able to do any of these tours if I just simply couldn't record. And that's not even my main gig as a musician. You know, what I'm I'm a producer, but just because I could record, I ended up having one of the best relationships in music.
0: Do you consider yourself self-taught?
2: Yes. I pretty much taught myself everything. I've had a couple of people here and there, but um, I taught myself how to play the piano, taught myself how to make beats, everything, taught myself how to engineer, taught myself how to record, Um, pretty much everything that I do in music, I taught myself with the help of YouTube.
0: Is there one person in your life, and it may be family-wise, friend-wise, you know, personal career life that has been there? from day one mm-hmm. and is still there now?
2: Um, besides my mom. And uh, eh, not really. A, kind of like, I got some really close friends um, like that don't do music that uh, have always supported me. Um, and then my mom and my dad. Um, but really, uh, the people that I started this with, they couldn't hang. Really? like They don't... People thought, like I said, it goes back to people thought this was an overnight thing. They thought, and, and I'm in it because I love music. Like, if I didn't make a dollar, I'd still be making music. And I've been doing that since, I've, I've been doing that for 17 years. So I, you know, this is, like I said, if, I, if, I, if, I, if all my, you know, any way to make music went out the door tomorrow, I would still be trying to make beats. A lot of these other people, they'll put six months of work in and they think, why haven't we, why aren't we famous yet? And so I lost a lot of people along the way because they couldn't see the vision. And then things started to go up and now everybody's mad that they jumped off the boat. You know, I have the same people, there's there a few that are in my head right now. There's you know, a few of them that I kind of talking about taking artists under my wing. I tried that with different people that I grew up with. People I was close with early on. Oh yeah, no, let's do it, man. Let's let's blow this up here. I'll give you this connection here's a Here's a. I mean, I'll get Devin on your song. Oh yeah, cool. And I'll get Bun on your song. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Let me call Killer. He'll get on your song. Oh yeah, I'll mix it. I'll make the beats for free. Oh yeah, let's get some artwork. And then they don't do any work. The artist doesn't do anything because I just had sped. I just spoon fed them. You know, and I was like, okay, cool. And that happened with three or four artists that I was close with. Those same people. We kind of just, you know, we didn't have a falling out. We just kind of lost, you know, touch or whatever. They didn't, you know, they didn't see any progress and I wasn't going to spend any more time on it. And then now, obviously, as things have taken off in the past, you know, five or six years, the same people have been, oh, man, hey, let's link up. Hey, let's link up. I I see you doing some work, man. It's time time to bring it back. I'm like, no, it's not. It's actually not. The reason I've been progressing is because I've stopped the dead weight.
0: Right, exactly. um,
2: You
1: were working then too, though.
2: Huh? yeah yeah 100 <laughs> and they don't see it that's the yeah. thing too they don't see it i was like so. you're over
1: here telling people you can get you no know, devin and kill a call like that, like that like that's not the work
2: what the hell yeah dude i, yeah. I dude i got people i got so many priorities free, though i got so many free devin features bun features <laughs> for people that didn't like it, that would and i'm like okay cool this is back when before streaming too that mm-hmm. uh, was as big i remember telling the artists i'm like yeah well like you pay for it, get some cds pressed up and then go pass them out and I was, I remember telling him, like, yeah, get a thousand CDs pressed up. The funny thing is we had CD printers at my studio. All he had to do was buy the material and do the work. And he never printed up one CD. He never I think that I think we put it on Dat Piff, and that's when Dat Piff was really popping at the time. And I think I think it ended up like I was kind of promoting it a little bit, but I told him I was like, Man, you need to like get this out, hustle it. I think it got like hundred plays. And this is this is with a bun feature, a kilocalion feature when he was Popping like crazy, a Devon feature, um, all original, mm-hmm. all oh, types of stuff.
1: Killer Colligano was probably coming off that OJ, and uh, yeah, that's yeah, exactly yeah. when it was. That's
2: exactly like when I met Killer. It was right. Yeah. Or, I met Wiz and Killer at the same time, right around then. That's exactly when I met him. I'm um,
0: glad Carlos knows a lot about. Yeah, I don't. I'm like, yes, what? Who's yeah. what? Yeah. How I'm, I'm is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> i that?
1: What? I have kind of a dated question, if okay. that's okay. Yeah. Um, you had uh, the other side, yeah, yeah, right? And earlier you said, like, you when you hear you like hear in in color. Mm-hmm. Right, and I I think back to that uh, cover, the yeah, cover for that's that. That's why the Is color's it, like that. Okay, okay, and that that was my question. Yep, that's exactly why
2: the covers. So <laughs> my, the, I remember
1: like it being like very like color splashed, like with like, exactly what, like purple and that. greens and.
2: Yeah, my the so it's funny the artist that I work with all the time, my boy uh, King Dub, who's an amazing graphic designer out here, one of my best friends. Um, we did it a whole nother color. I think it was like red and purple or something the first time, and then he accidentally put a weird filter on it and okay. sent it right. to me and he's like, Man, this is kinda cool. And I was looking at it and I was like, Man, that's exactly what I feel like the the color of the album is. It's a bunch of there's not any like real dark, you know, aggressive tones, but there's a lot of like light colors, stuff like that too. So that's how that came out and that's exactly mm-hmm. why I made it that way. Okay. Um, because I've always just see music and color. So I wanted people to kind of feel there, the same way.
1: Uh, is there bad colors? Like, you um, listen to music? Like, is there, like, okay?
2: Nah, necessarily. It's all, they all draw off emotion. So, obviously, like, a more aggressive song kind of gives me, like, a red tint. A more chill song is more of the blue-purple kind of vibe. Um, you know, green can kind of be more, like, an inspirational or a little, you know, a little chill. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got yellow, which is probably, like, a little more happy, but still, like, a little more in your face. And then e- each color has its own representation, and pretty much it's, like, whatever feel you're going for, really. So, that's what's that's what's cool about music and colors to me.
0: Have you met anybody else who thinks the same way?
2: A few people. Um, there's a few, I've met quite a few people, and I, I hate always like saying that, but I remember the first time my first person I saw ever mention it was Kanye in like a YouTube thing mm-hmm. forever ago. And I remember going, Holy shit, that's what I have. I like, cause I always thought I was crazy, and people would think I was crazy, but like, no, I see colors when I see music. And they're like, what do you mean? Like, what are you talking about? And I always thought I was like, maybe I'm just tripping. And I was probably like fifteen, sixteen. I saw Kanye like, "No, it's called synesthesia. I got synesthesia." I was like, "What? Holy shit, that's what I got!" And I saw Pharrell talk about I it. Said, How do you I even get diagnosed? Pharrell tasted, yeah, yeah, maybe Pharrell so. Does taste, yeah. I think. So I could when, be wrong. I think you may be right. So it's when your it's when you're, your your senses combine, basically. Wow. Um, and like I said, those are obviously Kanye and Pharrell are two of the greatest of our times. I'm not comparing myself and one idiot, of my favorite
0: like, albums of all time. He produced the entire thing. Ooh, and Pharrell right, or Kanye? Pharrell.
2: Pharrell. Oh yeah, Pharrell, legend, absolute legend by far one of the top three or four producers I've ever seen in my generation. Um, So there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of people that, and I've met different people that have similar things. I'm sure theirs is probably on a whole nother level than mine. But I remember that was the first time when I heard Kanye say that, that I was like, wow, I'm not totally crazy because at least I know somebody else has similar feelings. And then over time I've done more research and seen more people talk about it. So.
0: Do you think that there is a specific type of mentality that it takes to get to where you're at.
2: Oh, yeah. 100%.
0: And what, what is that mentality? Are there a few things that you have told yourself day in, day out? You wake up in the morning and you're like, you know, you tell yourself that. You mm-hmm. go to sleep, you, t- you tell yourself that. What?
2: Affirmations. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, no, yeah. Was, <laughs> Thanks, uh, <Carlos>. Mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Mantra, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a big, like, affirmations person like my dad actually is. He used to kind of... um Tell me a lot of that. And I like I I I don't really say it out loud as much, but I, there's a lot of times where, you know, I have to remind myself like this is why you do it. It's not for whatever other reason you're thinking about. But uh yeah, no, I, I think mindset and music was kind of talked about earlier with the failure rate and people getting so discouraged. That I there's man, there's been times that uh I did a whole album for a, a pretty major artist, produced every single beat. We got to the point, took months, we got to the major label. And they were like, "Yeah, nah, this isn't it. We're not putting it out," you know. And I was like, "Okay." And I can literally name fifty different instances of something very similar to that. I've had a major artist. Um, I was in a room with them, major artist playing beats. They wanted me to play beats for them. Actually, I'll say it. Cause I don't even care. Tory Lanez. I don't like him. Uh,
0: okay. <laughs> well, I'll
2: get into it. Like different. So this is one of the few interactions I've ever had with somebody that I was not a, a fan of. Um, told me to come play them beats in the studio. Played him beats. We're playing a few. He just, I start playing beats. He's literally, literally never looking up. He's looking at his phone the whole time. 20 minutes passes. never says a word. And I'm like, kind of looking at the corner of my eye, you know, like, you know, you like him? Like, you know. And then he gets to the last beat. I'm still playing beats. And he, I, I didn't know his last beat at the time. He, uh, I played another beat. And he gets up and he's like, that's the only hard one you played. And then he just walks out the room and left. Left the studio never came back. And it was one of the weirdest interactions I've ever had. Yeah. But, you know, I've had, I've recorded Tori multiple times, so. It is what it is. Right. Um, but it was, it was one of those things that people are gonna do stuff like to you all the time. And it's like you could I could have woke up the next morning and be like, Man, my beats suck, nobody likes me, like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? And then uh yeah, obviously that didn't happen and I'm like, Okay, cool, well that's my my sound is not for Tory. Let me figure out. Who else I can get my songs to? Was
1: this bald Tory or hair implant Tory? <laughs> I
2: think I, I think I think he had a little hair left. This okay, okay. is about four this is about four or five years ago. Okay. Uh so he might have a little little hair left. So <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean it kind of just gets back to that you're gonna there's gonna be a lot of times you're told no, there's gonna be a lot of times that you don't think you're good enough. And it's really once you can shift your mindset to be like, okay, it's not that I'm not good enough. It's that and you gotta be realistic with yourself too, like. I don't like I hate saying stuff like this, but I know my beats are very, very, very good. I don't have I don't I always can improve, but I know at the time like I have very high quality beats. It may just be that my sound your your beat isn't gonna or your song isn't gonna fit with every fan or artist. There's you know, you're gonna have to find people that fit with your sound. Those same beats You have to find
0: your audience, your people.
2: Hundred percent. Those same beats that Tori didn't like. I don't know I can't remember for a fact, but I'm sure a few of those got placed different places and became very successful songs. It really just comes down to that moment, that time, that person was just not right for it, and so you have to find people that you really like working with, and then over time you find people that always like your beats, always like your song, like the the artist Tink that I'm talking about. Every time I send her a beat, she listens to it, damn near likes every single one. I always see her posting on Instagram, writing to my stuff. That's the type of artist you need to work with. She's major artist. And we have a very good connection with my sound and her sound, and so that's why I particularly focus on making more records for her because I know that she's like we 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 connect very well with our music. So,
0: when you were a kid, did you ever think, man, I might be crazy? Like, <laughs> there's probably something wrong with me. Maybe that's why I'm not like the other kids. Did you ever?
2: Yeah, I mean, I still think that. So, uh, I think it takes a little little bit of level of crazy to do anything that other people would want to do you know because it's everybody wants to do it but to actually persevere and go through it there there's definitely a level of crazy to this because there have been years where I didn't you know I made five or ten thousand dollars off music you know and any other person would be like I'm gonna get a nine to five and I was like well how can I how can I double up that ten thousand dollars for the next year okay right. cool how I made twenty thousand this year how can I double that this next year i I would always think in that term um you know everybody's different but I, I think that that kind of just led me to, you know, have the belief that I'm going to figure it out as I keep going and, and figure it out over time to just keep adding income sources and find people that really value my music going from there. So there definitely is a level of crazy to it because otherwise I feel like everybody would be trying it. So,
0: Last question. Is there any advice that you could give to anyone in the entertainment industry? Um. Yeah, just any advice. Hmm. It could be um, the most simplest thing or...
2: Yeah, don't don't uh, don't fall for the tag and artist the DMs. Are <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I guess it, I always say this and it sounds so generic, but it really is mindset mindset, and mind state because um, this is a very tough thing. Any, any entertainment industry you're going into, you're going to have to be prepared to. There's going to be a lot of failures. There's going to be a lot of no's. There's going to be a lot of times that you hate everything about it and you don't want to try anymore and it just goes back like i said i, I could have every single year every single month that i'm near there's times where we're like man i don't want to do this anymore this is stupid like i'm so mad i can't believe this blah 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 and the one thing that has always kept me pushing through is you can't fail until you quit and so if you always continue that one more time than the time you're thinking about quitting you always have a shot and so i just kind of go through that and keep keep that in my mind and also like don't want to look back when I'm X Y Z age and be like, man, I didn't really give it as much as I should have. You know, that's my one of my biggest coulda, shoulda, woulda. That's one of my biggest fears is regretting how much I actually gave to it. And so I tell people that all the time. Like, would you rather be mad that you're not getting on, or would you rather be mad in like ten years that you just gave up so quickly? Because you know, and if you don't, if it doesn't work out for you, that's fine. But I'm guarantee, I guarantee you they're going to learn a lot from it to shift. To a way that you actually can make something work in a in you know in a similar realm. It may not be I'm gonna be the I thought I was gonna be the 20 time Grammy nominated producer and 72 times platinum for Jay Z and all this stuff like that. That doesn't necessarily happen for me, but I found a lot of other creative ways to make a living in music and still be very happy with what I do. So that's kind of just my advice is don't you know don't be so hard on yourself and you know be prepared for the long haul.
0: Well, you heard it here folks ladies and gentlemen we're gonna end it right here um carlos you have anything you want to say wrap it up with it okay because he's coming with the the spitfire questions um thanks carlos for helping me out today it's only like my third interview so hey you know we we all gotta start somewhere
2: it was the best podcast in the history so i hope they uh i hope everybody's gonna be watching now because we had the the chemistry going
0: (laughs) thank you so much for coming um Hey, you're a busy guy. We appreciate you coming out here and being on our podcast. For sure. Um,
2: Your social media and all that. Yeah, link
0: yourself up.
2: Everything is track sounds. That's my advice for all artists. Have the same for one. So T-R-A-K-K-S-O-U-N-D-S, whatever you want to find me on, it's all going to be on track sounds.
0: All righty. Track sounds, thank you so much for coming through. Appreciate you for having me. Rapgeeks.com, you know where it's at, ladies and gentlemen. Good. Very good. Yes, ma'am. Boom.